So I want to say welcome, everyone. This is Reverend Anna Jones, and I am joined on this uh, teleconference today with my husband, Philip Jones, to talk on a subject that uh, is very exciting to me and near and dear to my heart, and that is the subject of Archangel Michael, which I love to um, speak about Archangel Michael and any chance I get the opportunity to, um, and specifically Archangel Michael and his history historical appearances in mystical France. Um, this is, uh, there's lots of different things that I speak on in regards to the subject of Archangel Michael, many different um, angelic transmissions that I bring through as a courier for messages from Archangel Michael um, and as a conscious trans medium for messages from Archangel Michael. Um, but this particular uh, teleconference today is on some of the historical connections with Archangel Michael and a special relationship that he has um, with um, mystical France. But I'm going to begin, first of all, by talking a little bit about myself and Philip and uh, just in general a little bit about Archangel Michael and then dive into some of the historical uh, exciting things that we want to share with you today. Also, to um, give you a little overview of the entirety of what all we're going to do in this conference today. Um, so the conference is designed to have a teaching in the beginning and uh, the teaching is on the theme on the subject and um, then it's also designed to have a part two and in part two uh, we're going to be sharing um, the information specific information about um, our mystical France retreats that we're going to be Philip and I are going to be leading and uh, one of the women joining us on the call uh, which is uh, my friend Lucy, who's a logistical coordinator, will be participating and facilitating and helping us with that uh, in September and October of this year. So we'll be talking about those retreats in part two, and they're particularly things about the retreats we're leading that pertain to the subject matter for today. So there's lots of things we could say pertaining to our retreats coming up this fall, but we want to keep it um, subject matter related, like places that we're going to be going that are related to our theme and subject for today day um, and things that we're going to be doing there in Mystical France this fall. And then uh, the last part is um, I, this particular one, and in the future I'm going to try and do it as much as possible as well, uh, is to close with a closing meditation. Uh, so part one, the teachings pertaining to the theme. Part two, uh, retreat information from our Mystical France retreats pertaining to our theme. And then uh, part three, which is the shortest part of the, of the conference, and that is to to um, lead a short meditation for connecting with Archangel Michael uh, is what the theme of today's meditation is going to be. So that gives you a little overview of what our conference is today. And for those of you who will be listening to the recording, benefit of the recording later on, you can kind of get an overview of the recording and how it's going to be laid out as well. So like I said, I'm Reverend Anna Jones. I'm an interfaith minister. And for over 35-plus um, years of my life, I've been doing uh, healing work, spiritual healing work, and spiritual work that I've been called to do. And um, I began getting messages at a very young age, personally, uh, from the angels. And I had a deep um, relationship with the angels in my childhood. But then, um, at the age of 14, when I started doing laying on of hands healing for others, is when I started getting messages to... Uh, 
from the angels for others and to give to others. And at first it just started out as word or a sentence or a phrase or something that they said, tell this person this or give this person this information. And um, the more I did it, the more I just uh, allowed myself to share and follow the guidance that I was giving and share receiving and share the guidance that I was receiving, the more my life was touched and the more the lives of those that I was interacting with and connecting with was was touched. Um, And I began to understand that I was being called um, to this greater service and the angels were communicating with me um, and wanted to uh, communicate with me and encourage me to pass those communications on to other people. Um, And I understood it as mystical experiences that I was having and I like to think of myself ever since these things and events in my life have unfolded, um, I like to think of myself as a as a modern day mystic, and um, I've had many mystical experiences with the angels since. Uh, the, part of the messages that they delivered to me pretty early on was that they wanted me to be a courier. Um, a career of their messages for other people and um, so I began doing that more and more in my 20s and have been evolving that ever since uh, evolving the the way in which I do that the, um, the the techniques that I use in order to be able to do that um, of which meditation is one of the primary uh, prayer invocation and meditation is one of the primary tools and techniques that I use as a modern day mystic to receive the messages and to be the instrument through which some of these messages are actually delivered. The word angel means messenger, divine messenger, and so they've called me to kind of be the courier, the one that delivers um, some of the messages. And um, it's an honor. It's something that I'm always, always in awe of. Um, And out of all of the profound messages that I've gotten, out of all of the profound interactions that I've had with the angels in the angelic realm, um, none touches my heart more and more deeply and profoundly than the interactions that I've uh, had with mystical experiences uh, pertaining to Archangel Michael. And I found that the more that I share uh, the mystical experiences, the messages, the, the um, wisdom teachings, just the, the profound things that Archangel Michael has given me with others, uh, the more I'm, I'm uh, realizing just how many lives uh, he has directly impacted and is directly touching, uh, how many hearts and how many lives he's directly touching worldwide right now. I began the Archangel Michael and Legion of Light Facebook page at Archangel Michael's request, which is where many of the people that are signed up for this call have come from. Some of you know me through some of my private practice work, through the work that I do as a healer, as well as through the work that I do as an angel medium. Um, some of them, some of you know me, for, however, from the Facebook page. I began it in 2010 at his at his request, and it's just been um, amazing to uh, meet how many people are enlivened by, enthused by, and and feel a strong connection, call, or pull um, from Archangel Michael or to Archangel Michael. So he's a very, very special being, very much uh, at work in the world and serving the world, serving humanity uh, constantly, eternally. So I don't want to just have this... um 
teleconference today be just a historical presentation because we are going to get into some history, some very fascinating, interesting history. Uh, but I wanted to start and begin by just sharing a little bit about myself and um, honoring that this great being of light, uh, that Archangel Michael, this great being of light, is uh, alive and active in the world and is making history um, in each of our lives and in the world as we speak. Um, so he's made history. He's been a significant part of world history. Um, and we're going to talk about some pieces today of uh, very specific parts of world history that he's been connected to. Um, but he's very much in, in active and involved in our lives. In fact, when I do anything about him, when I teach any kind of class or workshop, retreat, in fact, I just got done leading a week-long fly with the angels, swim with the dolphins retreat here in Hawaii last week. And when um, I do anything regarding Archangel Michael, I always feel like he calls to uh, whoever it is that's going to be participating and whoever it is that's going to be attending that. Because during that retreat, we worked with the um, series of messages that he gave me that I've published in my book, The Teachings of Archangel Michael, A Handbook for Humanity, which is the name of that book. Um, In fact, I wanted to share a couple things out of that book. Um, the, 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 the teachings of Archangel Michael, A Handbook for Humanity is what I called it. It was a series of messages um, that he gave me back in, um, I believe it was originally uh, brought through in uh, 2001 or 2002. And um, that series of messages was all about relationship. And he was revealing that there's, um, you know, that all relationships are interconnected basically that everything and everyone is interconnected and that all relationships are interconnected and he was talking about how we have relationships with each other of course that's the obvious we have relationships with the earth we have relationships with God and we have relationships with all beings um, the angels included amongst all beings and um, his special relationship with the earth and, and his special relationship with us is included in that Uh, because he is an archangel and the greatest amongst all of the archangels uh, the leader so to speak of the archangels uh, he works with all on the earth but then he also shares in that message that is published in my book um, he shares that um, even though he works with all of humanity and he has uh, a relationship with everyone and all beings on the earth um, that there's certain special relationships Um, those that he refers to and calls uh, the members of his legion of light here on earth, light workers who are here, uh, teachers, uh, healers, um, leaders uh, that are here. Especially he has a very close relationship with people who are here who are the light workers who have combined gifts as teachers, healers, and leaders, um, and who also carry the spiritual warrior archetype. So people who have the spiritual warrior archetype, people who are leaders, people who are healers, teachers. um, And then he also reveals in that series of messages that there are those that he refers to as the teachers of the teachers and the healers, uh, the healer, the teachers of the teachers and the healers of the healers and the leaders of the leaders and of all of the vast legion of light that's connected with him. 
He's working very closely uh, with people uh, who are um, aligned with him in that uh, because that's part of what his job is too. Um, in fact, I wanted to just speak briefly about who Archangel Michael is in a larger context before we dive into the specific history um, because it's oftentimes I think he can be um, put into a box that everybody thinks they know everything that they there is to know about him by just saying, oh, he's the Archangel of Protection. And that's not everything there is to know about him by any shape or means. Um, He is the guardian angel and archangel of protection. There's no doubt about that. He is a master, master protector. But he's so much more than that. Um, And one of the ways that we can um, understand the things that he represents and all of the roles that he plays, which I'm not going to get into a long conversation about this. I cover this in my class called the uh, Co-Creating with Archangel Michael, it's up on my AnnaJonesOnline.com website. Um, but one of the ways that we can get into just an overview of the, the different roles that Archangel Michael plays and that he represents um, is by looking at the symbols that have always been historically associated with him. And, um, of course, we have the, the symbols that we represent, that, that we understand him, that are connected to him as the spiritual warrior, as the guardian, as the protector. But those symbols alone are so much more. And they don't just represent um, protection. The symbols that represent that to us for protection are the symbol of his shield, his sword, and his helmet. However, when you look deeply into the symbology of those symbols alone, there's more to that than just the spiritual warrior symbols or um, his role, again, as protector. Um, So uh, it's very important that we don't pigeonhole these higher beings and say, you know, oh, this is the archangel of this, this is the archangel of that, and then just limit it to that or limit these beings in our in our minds or in our lives for example the helmet the helmet is something that he wears as a symbol and uh, carries sometimes sometimes he's wearing it sometimes he's carrying it depending upon the artistic rendition um, this, when you look at the symbology of the helmet, it represents so much more than protection or warrior. It actually, the helmet is a symbol of divine wisdom. It's, uh, so when you see Archangel Michael with a helmet, holding a helmet, or wearing a helmet, that symbol is not just a symbol of him as a spiritual warrior. It's a symbol of divine wisdom. The kind of divine wisdom that a teacher carries, a type of divine wisdom that um, someone who is able to impart that divine wisdom, a leader who is able to give and share divine wisdom would be able to wear or carry. And it also denotes his role um, as a teacher of the teachers, especially, because he is a teacher of the teachers. He is a leader of the leaders. He is a healer of the healers. And yes, there is a healing history that Archangel Michael has, different than the healing history than Archangel Raphael. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, so the, the, it's the, the helmet that represents divine wisdom, that represents teachings and teachers and t- wisdom teachings. And this has been one of my greatest experiences with him. He has just imparted to me uh, amazing, incredible um, divine wisdom that has uh, illuminated my heart and my mind and changed my life forever. Um, and then he imparts uh, through the, the service that he calls me to do, uh, through the work that I do as a, as a deep trance 
medium is a deep trans angel medium. Uh, he imparts through these angelic transmissions that I bring through these angelic message transmissions. These these amazing wisdom teachings that um, you know just have helped so many uh, hundreds and and now thousands of people who have been uh, tuning into them through um, the social networking sites and things like that that have been able to expand into those teachings uh, through to share them. So it's just amazing wisdom that he's able to impart. But then there's also the symbol of his sword. Um, originally, the sword became a sword um, later in symbology. Originally, um, the sword was a staff, and it was depicted more with a staff than a sword in older, if you go into older artwork and older depictions of Archangel Michael. Uh, the helmet has been a long-time symbol. The sword evolved into this image, the symbol of the sword, but it was originally the staff. And um, it was known as the staff of light uh, or the staff of life uh, that he carries and that he holds um, as guardian of and as one who is given the ability to be able to use it um, and then it's that it became seen and, and experienced by people as a sword or as a sword of light. So a staff of light or staff of life that then becomes seen and experienced by people as a sword of light or a sword of life. And contrary to what people um, sometimes think, and, and, and I run into this quite regularly, that it is used as a weapon of destruction. In fact, some people will talk about it and speak of it almost as if it's used as a weapon of mass destruction. The staff of life that Archangel Michael carries, this sword of light, is not a weapon of mass destruction. Quite the contrary. Everything that it touches is restored to the light. That's how it works. That's the power of this amazing symbol and this amazing um, gift that he has that he is able to use and wield, wi wield wisely, by the way, not without, not without the divine wisdom. He uses them together. The helmet and the sword are depicted usually for him together. He has them uh, usually both together and he uses it wisely to restore and return everything that it touches back to the light. And so the staff of light or the staff of life, the sword of light is everything that it touches is returned to the light. So it's known to restore and to renew everything back to its source, back to its origin, back to its light. This is its power. And in this way is part of how he is connected as a healer. Um, because anything can be restored and renewed back to its original light. Um, and so, like I said, there is a healing history of Archangel Michael, history that um, ties into one of the things that we're going to talk about today when we get into some of the historical information we're going to share with you of him um, being a, a healer. Uh, in fact, I think we could um, maybe even talk about it uh, you know, right now. I'll, I'll bring Philip in, and, and we can just quickly touch about about um, uh, does this sound like a place, Philip, to where we could just share a little bit about uh, the history related to Constantine? Um, Are you there? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I thought we were going to start with the symbol, the grail. 
Okay. All right. We'll do that yeah. then. We'll, we'll 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 keep to that idea. Sure. Okay. So um, we'll we'll get back to that then, right? So um, we'll touch back into uh, some of Archangel Michael's um, connection to Constantine and uh, his healing, uh, what he was known to be regarding uh, as a healer to to Constantine. Okay. So then let me just finish this, the symbols then real quickly, and then we'll get dive into that historical stuff. Uh, so then, in addition, there's the symbol of his shield. Now this one, this the symbol of the shield, this one definitely uh, ties into protector more than any of the others, more than the helmet, more than the sword. The shield is a symbol of protection, being able to shield and guard and protect. But then there's his symbol of um, an older symbol, older even than the shield, older than the sword even, um, the symbol of the scales of justice. Um, So the scales of justice uh, this has to do with his role as, in, in, in being aware of the soul and also a keeper of the balance. So he protects through restoring and renewing the light. So he doesn't protect through destruction or violence or vengeance or revenge or any of those things that is not of the light. That's not angelic. Those things are not angelic. that are not of the light. That's not what, how he protects. He protects through restoring the light, renewing the light, bringing the light, and through restoring the balance, restoring the order, and keeping all things in balance. He's a a keeper of balance, of which the scales represent. Scales also represent the balance between the masculine and feminine, the balance between light and shadow, um, you know, all of the dualities uh, in balance. So he's a, he plays a, a major role with that. And then there's a symbol that is a, a much lesser known symbol associated with Archangel Michael. Um, and it's a symbol that we work with in our Mystical France retreats uh, and is um, something that I think is going to be in, in, talked about more in depth in the subject matter of our next teleconference in this Mystical France Series, and that is the symbol of the Holy Grail. So the Archangel Michael's um, connection to the Holy Grail, uh, it's pretty deep and it's very mysterious and it's very mystical. Um, and he is considered to be uh, the protector of the Holy Grail. And um, you'll see sometimes it, when he is depicted with it, uh, that will have a chalice in his hand. And usually when he's depicted with the Holy Grail, he's usually not depicted with these other symbols. It's like its own special role. Um, it's like its own special uh, thing. And there's even like a different mood in all of the artwork that depicts him um, with the Grail. There's usually a different mood that he has. It's more of like a, a high ceremonial mood um, that, that is usually depicted in the artwork with Archangel Michael as um, sh- being shown with the Grail and being shown as guardian and protector of the Grail. Um, and then he's... Subsequently linked to just real, I'll just throw it in briefly because we're not going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about it more in the next teleconference. Um, the Grail is associated with Mary Magdalene, and there's direct connections uh, to Archangel Michael uh, as being a protector to Mary Magdalene, especially in the history of France. So that's a very interesting piece and component there. But Philip does have some things, and I've been talking for a long time. 
So I don't want to, uh, and he's got some very historical, interesting historical things to talk about. Um, but before we dive deeply into the mystical France um, historical pieces, uh, is there? You said there were some things that you wanted to talk about regarding to uh, the Grail, right, Philip? Yeah, yeah. Just okay. kind of following up with what you're saying about the Grail. Okay. Um, yeah. Go ahead. The, the thing about the Holy Grail, a lot of people don't understand, if unless you get into it a little deeper. Really, the, the outpouring of uh, interest and inspiration regarding the Grail and the uh, legends of King Arthur, uh, although it originated, King Arthur is, is, is said to be from the 6th century, the real outpouring and inspiration of these legends were in France at the end of the 12th century and the beginning of the 13th century. And they initiated the time of the troubadours and courtly love and all these amazing things that now are connected to groups like the Cathars in southern France. But there was a real um, evolution, you might say, uh, on the path of, of love that were initiated by these legends uh, and stories from France in the 12th century. So one of the legends, which is quite fascinating and relates to uh, directly to the Cathars, the Cathars were a group of people in um, Gaul are in southern France, which at the time was not a part of France, and they we're going to talk about them a little later in other uh, presentations. But there's a mountain called Montségur, and most people know the history of that area, and the Cathars know about that. It was kind of the place where this uh, group of spiritual people took their last stand. They were being um, um, adversarialized by the Catholic Church for various reasons, and they took their last stand at Montsegur. There's many legends that Montsegur, in fact, that the Holy Grail was there. And one of the legends... We'll is, have a whole teleconference on the yeah. Cathars later in this series. Right. So the main, one of the main people that were their leaders was Esclarmone. She was a woman countess of Foix in France. And it's said that to keep the Grail safe from those who were attacking the mountain... Archangel Michael struck the top of Montsegur, the mountain of Montsegur, with his sword. A great cleft opened up in the rock into which Esclarmon cast a grail, and then it closed over to keep it safe. When she died, her friends buried her near the place where the grail was, and the legend says that one day she will awaken from death and bring the grail back with her. And, of course, this is similar to the Arthurian legend of the once and future king. So you can see the the intercession of Archangel Michael has been throughout the history of France. I'm going to talk about that now. I did want yeah, to let, me, let me just quickly say sure. something. I just think that that's fascinating. Like, like you said, there are many, many um, grail legends that have all kind of come out of um, France and evolved you know, throughout Europe. Um, but this one really stood out, and it definitely made the direct correlation uh, in our minds as to Archangel Michael's role as guardian and protector of the grail. Um, and, it, and it, of course, ties into actually what we're going to be talking about in, in particular in places where we're even going to go to this mountain, we're even going to go to Mont Segur um, in our southern France retreat that we're going to be leading. So fascinating. But so is all the history in that Archangel Michael has with France. And so that's where Philip's going to go next. Yeah. So he's going, to, he's going to kind of give us uh, some groundwork as to there, there are, let me, just, let me just say real quickly to kind of segue you into that, Philip. 
Sure. Um, there are power places all over the world, and Archangel Michael works with all of the vortexes and ley lines and power spots of the world, um, but there's certain ones that are directly associated with him and uh, ones where he anchors uh, his his energy very strongly. And um, the Michael line is one of those uh, ley lines, um, energy centers, vortex centers flow along that line um, and points, energy vortex points are on that line and um, they, it flows through France. It doesn't flow only through France but it flows through France and that tells us that he must have a special relationship with this, um, this country and Philip's going to tell us that he does by ch- sharing with us first uh, the information about Clovis, correctly? Correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we won't... We- we may have time to return to the line, but if we don't, that St. Michael line goes, as Anna said, it goes through France, through Italy, through Greece, all the way to Mount Carmel in Israel, and in the other direction, through Mont Saint-Michel in France, all the way up to uh, through the um, England and to uh, a, a rock off the coast of Scotland dedicated to Archangel Michael. That's and the it's, a, it's a ley line that, that I'm talking about, which yeah. is like a like a meridian in um, it's like an energy meridian in the energy body of the Earth, and we'll have an entire um, conference in this series dedicated to the Earth, um, kind of the Earth energy anatomy, the Earth vortexes, and the Earth ley lines. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to start and specifically talk about Archangel Michael's appearances in France and how he's been involved actually in even the founding of France itself. So back in the early years of the early centuries of of the Christian era, the Emperor Constantine, who was a Roman emperor that we all know well, Archangel Michael appeared to him in um, around the year 333. Later on, Archangel Michael, I'm just going to do an overview and then go back. Okay. Later on, Archangel Michael appeared to the first... uh, the Merovingian king Clovis, who was the first king of France, he appeared to him. We'll talk about that a little later. He also appeared to the uh, Charles the Great or Charlemagne, one of the greatest kings of Europe. Uh, he's so well-known and respected for various reasons that it's a huge statue of him outside of Notre Dame on his horse, and we were quite shocked by that statue. It seemed incongruous, but you can see the connection later. Um, also later on in the, and that was in the 8th century, also in the 8th century in an island off the coast of Normandy, Archangel Michael appeared to Bishop, Bishop Obert. Aubert. Aubert, thank you. And um, that began the establishment of Mont Saint-Michel, which became a great place of pilgrimage in the Middle Ages, especially in the 12th and 13th century. Then in the 15th century, Archangel Michael um, helped the, the French defend the Mont Saint-Michel from the English in the 15th century, and in the 15th century, in the same Hundred Years' War, uh, Archangel Michael appeared to Joan of Arc a number of times. So we're going to go through, you can see from the very, pr- even prior to So that's kind time, of an overview of the things you're going to touch upon. Okay. You can see that even from the previous to the founding of the country of France all the way through to the 15th century and on, Archangel Michael has been involved. Matter of fact, I think up until the 18th or 19th century, every king of France, of course, 
they weren't kings of France after that, but up until the king, the line of the kings of France ended, every king of France, when they were uh, enthroned, concentrated, consecrated France to Archangel Michael. So that's been his lineage. So just well, to go back to that started with Clovis. So how about we start talking about Clovis? So Clovis uh, lived in. Actually, he was born. 10 years before the fall of the Roman Empire. So that was a time when uh, there was a lot of chaos and and no one ruler. And Clovis brought together the uh, Franks under his leadership. He became the first Catholic king to rule over Gaul, and he established uh, the kingdom of France. His connection with Archangel Michael was um, he was... He was in a battle, and Archangel Michael appeared to him, not to, appeared to him to say anything, but he actually saw Arch, Archangel Michael fighting in the battle against his enemies. And so from that time of, um, of Clovis, Clovis was, once he brought together all the different provinces that were previously called Gaul into the country of France, he was crowned king, and at that time, because of that connection he had with Archangel Michael, and he saw Archangel Michael fighting with him, he dedicated the country of France to Archangel Michael. And he so was... He was the first king of France, that, he, that and, and, and Archangel Michael was directly involved in helping him to unite um, all of the Franks together, is what uh, you're sharing, right? Yeah. And Clovis was also the second Merovingian king. The first Merovingian king was his father, um, and then, but Clovis is the one who actually established France. The Merovingian kings, of course, are kind of well-known. They, they were known for their long hair. At that time, men, some of them wore their hair down to their, their neckline or their shoulders, but these Merovingian kings wore their hair way, way down their back. And they were known for this, and they also felt that they were royal and that they felt that there was a bloodline going back to Mary Magdalene, which again is a connection with southern France because Mary Magdalene uh, landed in southern France uh, and spent the last 30 years of her life there and did some teachings down that area. So again, there's the connection between Archangel Michael, the, the Merovingians, and, and Mary Magdalene as well. So even though Clovis was the second of the Merovingian kings, he was the first Merovingian king to unite all of the Franks under the and, and create the country of France and he did so with Archangel Michael by his side and under Archangel Michael's guidance and from that day forward he dedicated France to Archangel Michael and all the subsequent kings all the way up until the 1800s followed in suit and did the same, correct? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that um, that was, in the, that was in the 5th century, and then a couple of centuries later, in the end of the 7th and 8th century, one of the greatest kings of Europe, Charlemagne, or Charles the Great, ended up uniting most of Western Europe for the first time since the Roman Empire. And Charlemagne's the one whose statue riding a horse is outside of Notre Dame. Um, Charlemagne, there's a throne of Charlemagne in, in Germany, because France, Germany, all of these were part of his kingdom. And in that throne, it's called the throne of Charlemagne in Aachen, Germany, there's an altar consecrated, excuse me, consecrated Archangel Michael behind the throne. 
So the, the king was crowned, taking his place on the royal throne, and he could be assured, literally, that Archangel Michael had his back. They kind of saw it that way. They saw it that they were ruling uh, really with the protection of Archangel Michael. And in this case, literally, the altar was behind the throne. The, ar- the altar of Archangel Michael was behind the throne of Charlemagne. And Charlemagne was a Carolinian king, correct, of the Carolinian lineage? Yes. Mm -hmm. So not only the Merovingian kings dedicated um, France to Archangel Michael upon being crowned, but so did the Carolinians. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to point out that, as as Anna is saying, the Carolinians were especially dedicated to Archangel Michael because of uh, Charlemagne. Charlemagne, on all of the standards or the flags that uh, followed, you know, when they would go out for battle or they would go in procession, there was a, an image of Archangel Michael on the banner, and it, the inscription said, Patron and Prince of the Empire of the Gauls. So he was really considered to be not only a religious figure, but also literally involved in the interest of, of France. And Gaul was the uh, the Roman name for what is France for what That's is correct. Yeah. yeah okay so around the same time as Charlemagne uh, in the year 708 there was an incident um, in what's now called Mont Saint Michel the the little island off the coast of Normandy where a bishop was he had a three visions and in each vision he was visited by Archangel Michael and he was told to build a chapel on this rock to dedicate to Archangel Michael. The first two times he kind of ignored it, maybe felt it was a daydream or something like that. The well, this was time, a sacred island before what, what, before he even had his visions there. It was uh, containing a sacred uh, healing well and healing spring uh, and was a sacred place to the Celtic people even, exactly. even when he was there. Yeah, it was a very, very special place before. Well, he didn't live there, but he was told to build its chapel to Archangel Michael there. He he was a bishop from a town close by. So anyway, he ignored the first two times that he was visited by Archangel Michael. The third time he was visited, Archangel Michael actually touched him. Some people, they actually say that he put a put his finger through his skull. That's I think that's an exaggeration, but he literally touched him. You might even say he touched him. Uh, in the middle of his forehead, or what they called the third eye, maybe to open up his vision so he could really understand this was real. So the third time, when he touched his skull, he, he took it seriously, and he built that chapel, which was dedicated to Archangel uh, Michael in 709 A.D. And uh, we were there in 2012, and it's the most amazing, astounding place you can imagine. And that place became such, it became, I think, the first or second uh, most visited place of pilgrimage in the high Middle Ages of the 12th and 13th century. Kings of France have been there. Uh, very well-known, influential people have gone there to offer their uh, respects to Archangel Michael. And even today it continues to be one of the most uh, visited places in Europe. It's, it's an amazing, amazing place. Yeah, today it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It became known as the the Mount of St. Michael uh, in French, which is pronounced Mont Saint-Michel. And um, this Mount of St. Michael today is the UNESCO World Heritage Site is visited by millions. Mm -hmm. 
and and there have been um, there have been subsequently reports of many many appearances that he's had at Mont Saint Michel and and visions and things like that that he's given to these pilgrims over the years at Mont Saint Michel as, uh, as far as appearances of Archangel Michael continuing to uh, connect with people there. Yeah, and it's the the beautiful thing. Also, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But Mont Saint Michel is it's kept as it was in the Middle Ages, so there's no cars and things like that. It's cobblestone streets. Really an amazing place. And so that was in the 8th century. Then fast forward to the 15th century when the Hundred Years' War between France and England is going on, and England is really just really taking over France, literally. But the one place they couldn't conquer was Mont Saint-Michel. They tried During the Hundred Year War? Yeah, okay. exactly. And especially there was one attack in 1433, a full attack by the English there's a small group of people guarding it. They were not able to defeat Mont Saint-Michel. Around the same time, around that same period of time, during the Hundred Years' War, uh, there was a young girl everyone knows, uh, known as Joan of Arc, and she began to get visions and visitations by Archangel Michael at the age of 12 or 13. The first time she was visited, she was out alone in a field, and these three beings came to her. One was Archangel Michael, one was St. Catherine, and one was St. Margaret. And even at that time, Archangel Michael began to prepare her for her mission. He began to tell her that France was in a a state of disarray, it was not supposed to be this way, and he wanted her to go to the future king of France and inspire him and encourage him. He specifically told her in the next few years she would be taken care of and counseled by St. Catherine and St. Margaret. When this girl, when when this girl who at the time was 13, she was executed at 19, and she was tried, and she was so eloquent. She was an uneducated country girl. They were just shocked by her eloquence, even in theological matters, and no one's been able to figure out how she had this kind of wisdom. And, of course, she was being, through Archangel Michael and St. Catherine and St. Margaret, she was being counseled. So he said... Um, he told her that she must be a good child, she must be a holy child, and he told her that he that that she must go to speak to the king of France. Now, at that time, again, England was in control of a large area of France, and even her little area where her village was was loyal to uh, to France, but all around her, the whole countryside around her was loyal to England. So even her going from where she lived to visit this prince, uh, Charles, who was to become the king of France. Was but he went to her. Somehow or other, she was inspired by him. And um, when she turned And he was inspired by her, old, right? Say again? Yeah. And he was inspired by he her? He was inspired by her. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I meant. He was inspired by her. So the last time, one of the last times that... Um, uh, Michael visited her. When the visits started to change, from like 13 years old to 17, she was mostly being counseled by these two saints. But when she turned 17, Archangel Michael started to come see her more often and give her a plan to involve uh, how to liberate her country. She went to see the king, the king, excuse me, the future king, Charles. Charles somehow or other believed in that. Now, Charles was also kind of a madman. It's well documented. He had fits of what they called madness. So he was very unstable. He was considered weak. And somehow or other, out of desperation or inspiration, he turned to this girl and said, okay, I, I have some faith in you. And he, they dressed her up in armor. 
they sent her out to to the front, and the rest is history. She was able to turn the tide, mostly through her inspiration. The French at that time were they had just been losing battle after battle after battle. They had not won a major battle in this hundred years war for a whole generation, and somehow or other, this young girl came and inspired them, and the rest is history. Of course, she was captured by the French, excuse me, by the English at the age of 19. She was imprisoned. There's a long story there of why she was executed, which is pretty insane. But at the trial, she told the judges, I saw Archangel Michael. She told them the history of why she did what she did. She said, I saw him with these very eyes as well as I see you. And our, Joan of Arc was um, beatified at Notre Dame Cathedral in 1909, and there's a really beautiful, amazing statue of her. Notre Dame of Paris? Yeah, Notre Dame in Paris. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that takes us through uh, the time of uh, Joan of Arc, and uh, again, up until the last kings of France, uh, every king would rededicate France to Archangel Michael from the time of Clovis in the 5th century. And Joan of Arc still to this day is the patron saint of France. Absolutely. So um, she's the patron saint of France, and she was empowered to do and guided to do and protected to do what she was meant to do, called to do what she was meant to do by Archangel Michael. And he is the Archangel of Paris and the Archangel of France. There's a beautiful statue of him, the Archangel Michael statue, which is just unbelievably beautiful. Are you talking about the fountain of Archangel yeah, Michael, which fountain. is in Paris, the famous mm-hmm. fountain of Michael? Yeah. Yeah. So the points, the reason why we've kind of honed in on these particular points, just to summarize real quickly here, is we... We, in our studies, I mean, I've been, you know, trying to learn as much as I can about Archangel Michael ever since I realized that I was receiving these direct communications from him and that he was calling me. Um, And he's been calling me to very specific things pertaining to my purpose and my destiny and my mission. And so I'm like going, okay, there has to be, you know, other historical references. And and I've a long time been inspired, long before I even knew all these connections that we've made here today in this teleconference. Um, I've been long time inspired by people like uh, Joan of Arc who, you know, received a calling and just had the courage and the confidence to to say yes to that calling and respond to that calling. And each one of these great people in history that we've been talking about, they, they share a direct personal connection with Archangel Michael, a calling from Archangel Michael, and a calling to a purpose or a destiny that um, in these particular historical stories pertain to the creation and establishing of France the protecting of France, and um, the, 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 the spiritual growth and the spiritual legacy of France. So it's very fascinating. Philip, is there anything further that you wanted to say before we move on? Um, on only that, um, again, probably a lot of people here have been to France. If you have or ha- if you haven't, I think there's two Frances that can be visited. There's the modern, beautiful, sophisticated, amazing place uh, that has so many things to offer. And then there's the historical France. And historical France is so deeply steeped in spirituality and religion and, and things that are important to us today. We don't go to France because we want to hang out in cafes and, and have a good time. We We do that, of course, but we go there because there's such 
inspiration for the times we live in. There's inspiration of people who uh, made a difference. And again, not so much the military things. Uh, that, that was important for different reasons. But the legacy that's there from Chartres, from Notre Dame, from uh, Mont Saint-Michel, from southern France, and all the sites of the Cathars, all of these places, they still resonate with a spirituality and inspiration that's very relevant, and it's also relevant because France has really been a, a crossroads for different cultures, different religions, especially in southern France. It was a place where Jews, Christians, Muslims, people of different faiths at certain times came together. It, it precipitated, ultimately, the Renaissance, the Enlightenment. There's so many things there that are relevant for the time in which we live because the time in which we live, we're in the same place. We're at the crossroads of we can either go to war and fight each other and, you know, and, and continue to ruin the world, or we can join together in the spirit which underlies all cult- cultures and all religions, and that's a spirit of, of love and devotion. And it's there in the history of France in spades. And so mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the other side of this. You know, when you, when you talk about the historical side and the military commanders and so forth, that's significant mainly because there was a destiny for France, for Europe, it's significant. Uh, What's significant is 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 this is the sacred connections to it exactly. all. Exactly. Right. Yeah. What's significant about this history, which is why we even got interested in learning it in the first place, is the sacredness and the connection to the sacred and the connection to the. There's there's a great mystery. You know, there's a great mystery, of course, playing out with all of our history, with the world history, with humanity's history, a great mystery for most of us to still learn so much more about and to understand. And each country and each nation has its own profound, you know, sacred stories and sacred part of this journey. But there's some kind of great mystery connected with France. And um, there's, there's a deep spiritual mystery, and this is why we call it mystical France, and a deep mystery and mystical um, component to this that we feel not only strongly called to ourselves, but we started to feel called to share with other people and bring out awareness of to other people. Um, we think some of the, the, the mysteries uh, associated with the sacred uh, within France ties deeply to the heart of um, healing for all of us and for healing of the world. Uh, so this is just kind of a intuitive information that we got. So I think we're going to segue now into part two of the conference, and that is to talk a little bit more specifically about what our calling to France is and what we're called to do as far as bringing other people there and bringing this awareness, not only awareness to other people, but um, to being able to facilitate giving some people direct experiences of some of these places, right? So in um, around uh, 2010, 2011, uh, we started um, feeling a strong calling and uh, urging by some of our friends uh, to, to, to start to look at France and look at it as a, a place of sacred pilgrimage and a place of sacred journey. And the more that we opened our minds and hearts to this, uh, the more called we felt and uh, the stronger the pull and the call became uh, to, to go to France. And so we went to France and led our first retreats there back in September and October of 2012. Um, at the time, we led um, 
the Grail Quest retreat, and then we followed it by a soul journey to Mont Saint Michel, and it was just an amazing experience. We have some incredible stories uh, to tell. This particular teleconference is on the subject of Archangel Michael and his appearances in France and his connection and relationship with France. So it's not going to be as deep into um, all the things that we have to share about Mount St. Michel, um, the, the Mount of St. Michael, which is called Mount St. Michel that we talked about earlier, uh, where Aubert was and where our Michael has appeared several times. We're going to talk about the, the Mount itself and deeper into the history of the Mount and uh, just more of what all is there and things like that when we get to the teleconference in this series that is, is dedicated to the Mount of St. Michael. Um, but I did want to give in this part two now of this conference an overview of our northern France retreat. In our last conference, our last conference was on the role of pilgrimage in modern day lives, and that one is up on our Mystical France website. If you go to the mysticalfrance.com website and you look at the teleconferences page where you register for this teleconference call, you'll see all of the recordings for all of the series will be posted up there. And the recording for the first um, one in this series, which is called The Role of Pilgrimage in Our Modern Day Lives, is actually up on the website already. And you can go listen to that one. Um, And I explained in that call that um, each time we're going to talk about um, the retreats that we're going to be leading, but it's going to be pertaining to the subject matter of of the theme of the call. So today what I want to talk about specifically is I gave the overview of all the retreats in that um, last teleconference, and I want to just talk about the Mystical France North retreat. This year we've um, organized uh, two retreats and and a long extended weekend, so we're kind of referring to it as three retreats, but it's really two week-long retreats and a long extended weekend in Mystical France. There's the Mystical France South, which we'll talk about more in depth and detail in some of the upcoming ones, uh, some of the upcoming conferences in this series, and there's the Mystical France North retreat, which is the one that pertains to um, the Mount of St. Michael that we've been referring to, the Mount St. Michel, the place that Aubert built uh, that Philip was talking about when he appeared three times and he asked for a chapel to be built. So the Mystical France North Retreat, the dates for that one is September 26th through October the 3rd. This is Mystical France North. And the title of it is Angels of Paris and Soul Journey to Mount St. Michel. Um, so this is a soul journey to the Mount of St. Michael where that Aubert built, where Obera built the chapel, and it will also include um, time spent in Paris. It's eight days, seven nights total, this particular retreat is. It will begin with, uh, it'll begin and end in Paris, actually. We'll be arriving, everybody will fly into Paris and meet us at our hotel there, and um, we'll have three nights at the beginning of this retreat, where we're going to explore the mystical, mysterious parts of Paris associated with the angels and associated with Archangel Michael specifically. Again, like Philip said, there's so many things that we can um, see, especially modern-day Paris is a you know world-class city. Uh, there's so many things that we can see and do, but the angels of Paris and, and Archangel Michael is a, is a theme of our uh, journeys of sacred Paris, so to speak. We're really going to be trying to tap into during these uh, three nights in Paris and our explorations of this magical city 
We're trying to tap into the presence of Archangel Michael there and the role of the angels and the presence of the angels, uh, the angels that are present, very present in, in Paris and that are present through the amazing artwork. So we're actually going to be going and visiting some of the places where some of these um, amazing uh, angel uh, art, artwork exists. Uh, we'll actually go to uh, Notre Dame of Paris, which Philip was talking about. We'll see the Charlemagne uh, statue that Philip was, was discussing, and we'll also see the, um, the, the Joan of Arc Joan statue of Arc. Mm-hmm. that is there. Uh, what did you say? You said Joan of Arc was uh, canonized at uh, Notre Dame of yeah. Paris? Of Paris? Yeah. Yeah, 1909. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So we'll see the Charlemagne statue, we'll see the Joan of Arc statue, um, but we'll also see the angels of Notre Dame. We'll see a lot of the, the angel artwork, the a- angelic presence, uh, very strongly present at Notre Dame. Um, and we'll visit the famous fountain of St. Michael also, um, which I, when I stood there at the feet of that fountain, I broke into tears. Uh, we emerged up out of the subway system, and I knew we were going to see something special and spectacular but I didn't realize how special and spectacular it was. Remember, Philip, when I was standing mm-hmm. there and I just, like, broke out into tears? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. The Fountain of St. Michael. And um, we'll also be visiting during these, this time in Paris, during our exploration of sacred Paris and, and our journey to find the angels of Paris and connect with the angels of Paris. We'll be visiting the Louvre and uh, trying to connect with and uh, the, the angels of the Louvre. And now that doesn't mean you don't see other things in the Louvre as well. Believe me, in our quest to find the angels of the Louvre, uh, there's so much immense uh, how would you describe the Louvre, Philip? I mean, just of course it's a world class um, Well, you, you, you need a theme if you're going to go there for a short time. Right, right. As our friend Lucy said, if you're going to go there and spend enough time to really see everything, it would take months. Yeah. So it's good to have a theme when you go to the Louvre. And so we'll see, of course, the famous pieces that most people want to see, but our theme will be the angels. So Right, yes. We'll see a lot of the immense amounts of famous artwork and the famous things that people want to see, but in our quest to discover the angels of the Louvre as well. And then a special place called La Madeleine, which is uh, really, in my mind, very much, uh, when, when I visited there, I, was, uh, I thought, wow, this is so much more than just a church. Um, it felt like a cathedral of its own, of its own way, of its own right. Uh, La Madeleine is a um, church is a church, but we consider it like a cathedral to um, Mary Magdalene that is in Paris. And we'll um, be seeing the angels of Paris that are present at La Madeleine, this amazing relief that is on the front, which actually in that relief, um, it very much looks like Archangel Michael in that relief. is He's super prominent in that, um, art, that piece of art. And uh, it, it looks like he's protecting uh, Mary Magdalene uh, in that particular piece of art. So we'll get a chance to connect with that. And there's um, the, the, in the La Madeleine, um, there's some just amazing, we'll, we'll, we'll discover a lot of uh, angels in La Madeleine. Um, and there's angels, there's the four um, major archangels that are lifting, there's this, the main sculpture that's in the center that's lifting Mary Magdalene up into heaven. So the angels actually lifted Mary Magdalene um, upon her departure from this world, uh, lifted her up into heaven. And so that's the main sculpture 
sculpture that is just a phenomenal piece uh, that we'll be connecting with at the center and the heart of La Madeleine. But then there's also um, other angel sculptures and statues that are of the um, archangels that are present in La Madeleine that we'll be making a special quest to seek and to find and to um, make connections with them as well. So that's uh, the, the first three days or the first um, three nights that we'll be uh, spending in Paris and uh, going to these places. Um, and then we'll make our soul journey, our soul journey to Mount Saint-Michel, to the Mount of Saint-Michael in Normandy, France. So we will go by, um, first we'll go by train, uh, and all in our retreats, um, all the ground transportation, once you get to the hotel, once you fly in, you get to the hotel, um, the ground transportation uh, as to all of our excursions, where we're going, where we're taking you to is included. So the only thing that's not included as far as ground transportation is um, meeting us at the hotel and then of course you're you're getting your um, either your shuttle ride or your you know your your bus ticket or whatever um, your taxi ride back to the airport. So it's really from the airport into the airport that's not covered. But all other ground transportation is covered in these packages, these pilgrimage packages that we've put together um, for these journeys, for these sacred journeys. So the, on the day that we're going to be going and departing um, for Mont Saint Michel is the day known as Michael Mass. Actually, uh, so when when we're finished in Paris uh, for those first three nights, uh, we will be going um, by train and then by bus. So we'll be going to, by train to Rennes and then from Rennes to Mont Saint Michel by bus. And we'll be going on September the 29th and arriving at um, the Mount of Saint Michael, Mont Saint Michel, on September the 29th, which is Michael Mass. Um, and this is a me, feast day. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say this feast day of Saint Michael has been such a significant day in European history and French history. It was one of the primary uh, feast days and celebration days of the whole year, like among a handful of days uh, throughout the Middle Ages and, and in France up until, like I think, the 18th century. So this particular day dedicated to Archangel Michael has been very, very prominent uh, in European history, sacred European history. Right. Yeah, and it's a high holy day, um, and was cons- was celebrated as a, a high holy day of obligation, actually. Yeah. High Holy Day associated with Archangel Michael. This is the day we're going to arrive on this amazing, amazing uh, island that, uh, like I said, we'll talk more about the the island itself uh, in our upcoming series uh, in the in the one that's uh, titled The Angels of Paris and the Mount of St. Michael. Um, so when we arrive there, we're going to have a chance to go to the special chapel and make some uh, special prayer uh, offerings. Um, the, the, the chapel that is at the base of the abbey will be open um, and it's open in a very special way like they only provide access to certain parts of the chapel this one room that you're only able to walk into on uh, Michael Mass and like I think like the next day they keep it open too but uh, pretty much just right during that time of the year is the day that you're able to kind of actually walk directly into that part of the sanctuary and um, you know place our place our candles there directly there so that's very special and then what we'll do 
um, is we'll spend um, some amazing nights actually staying on the sacred site itself. So we'll stay on the tidal island of Mount St. Michel. And uh, we'll be staying at a wonderful um, hotel there that's associated with uh, this island and has been for a very long time and that's named after um, Aubert, so it carries some of that name vibration, some of that sound vibration. Uh, And we'll be doing some um, we'll be doing a guided meditative walk through the Abbey, which is the thing that um, when you see pictures of Mont Saint Michel, first of all, many people think of it like one of the wonders of the world. Um, and as far as architecture and everything like that, it's just stunning. The Abbey is enormous, uh, and we'll be le- I'll be leading a walking meditation um, up into the Abbey, and then in the afternoons there'll be two afternoons. We'll, we'll do short uh, three hour. We we'll kind of get away from the crowds, away from the hustle and bustle and we'll do a short um, three hour workshop on two of the afternoons that we'll spend there a workshop on angelic healing I'm going to give and a workshop on angelic communication and I will be facilitating um, an angelic message transmission during that angelic communication workshop uh, with Archangel Michael and bringing through a a channeled live message from him um, while we were while we're there in that workshop and then also guiding um, a journey experience, an inner journey experience uh, for everyone to have an angelic communion, uh, inner journey experience during those uh, workshops as well. So sometime over the course of those six hours that we'll be spending uh, two, three-hour afternoons, um, we'll, we'll be doing some workshop work. There, As part of our pilgrimage program, um, there's plenty of time. There's always free time for people. Um, we always try to include that uh, and of course everything is optional right so if somebody uh, doesn't want to go with the group doesn't want to go on the say for example didn't want to go on a, the walking meditation through the abbey they wanted to go and spend some of their own private time together everything we do as far as the pilgrimage program component of things is optional but for those who want the benefit of our guiding and facilitating uh, spiritual experiences. We not only provide spiritual teachings uh, throughout our retreats, throughout our pilgrimage, but we provide, um, in addition to the workshops, we provide, you know, like there may be a place that we go out, for example, we might, we're going to walk out to the Chapel on the Rocks together as a group, and, and I may lead a meditation or something like that out there, or give a teaching out there. Um, you know, we provide just uh, not only spiritual guidance and spiritual spiritual teachings, but wherever it's appropriate and however it feels appropriate and to the degree of participation in which people feel called to do it um, and feel called to participate because it's really up to you is whether you want to, how much you want to participate or not. We try to provide, you know, ceremony, ritual, meditation, prayer, um, you know, as we're going through these journeys uh, and, and, and just even guidance as to how to try to connect, right, not just with your physical senses, but really try to make that deeper connection with your heart, with your soul, with your spirit, with through your through your spiritual sight and your spiritual hearing and through your spiritual senses. So, you know, so so it just depends. You know, sometimes we're giving a teaching, sometimes we may be leading a prayer, sometimes we may stop in the chapel and we may start singing a a, a chant. We might be you know sing, singing something or chanting something. It just it just depends. We let spirit kind of guide us. We have a, a program, and of course there'll be the the set workshops, of course, but um, the rest of the time 
we try to just let ourselves be spirit-led and um, allow ourselves to be spirit-led and to spiritually lead things when it feels right, when it feels appropriate to do so and as it feels appropriate to do so. Is there anything that further you wanted to share, Philip, regarding the retreat? And Well, I just want to follow up on what you just said. Um, mm-hmm. I think some of the most um, exciting, profound, exp- and inspiring experiences are these ceremonies i just say i'm i'm sure i'm prejudiced toward my wife but uh, i'll try to be objective and say that she first she is a fantastic ceremonial leader that's one of her gifts and we love to do ceremony together and create our own ceremonies in 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 a a appropriate way we decided last night we're going to do another something we had not done before because we've done some more research on the michael line which extends for 2,000 miles from Scotland all the way through England, through France, through Italy, through Greece, and to uh, Mount Carmel in Israel. When we're at Mount St. Michel, which is on the line, we're going to do a ceremony, a ritual, which honors the whole line kind of going in a ceremonial way, in a sacred way, honoring all the points along the Michael line. And, of course, being on the Michael line... (laughs) Um, it's always sacred time, sacred space. So being on the Michael line uh, in this sacred time of his uh, uh, feast day period is going to be very, very special, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. We just we just decided to do that last night, so we're we're all excited about it. <laughs> well, I am just so called back. I, 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 when we were there the first time, uh, I could see myself journeying to Mont Saint Michel many, many times in the future, and I felt Archangel Michael calling me back. I made the promise to return, and um, I could see many, many people returning with us in the future. So I'm excited to be going back again this time, and we're hoping uh, in this particular retreat that I've been talking about, uh, we're hoping to take a group of 12 to, I think, the maximum we're hoping for is around 16 so 12 to 16 is our is our goal and kind of what we've been envisioned and, and called to do um, one of the messages that Archangel Michael gave me when we were there was that um, this place was light activated uh, I encourage people uh, to work with their dreams and Philip and I try to help people with their dreams during um, during discussions that we have we'll actually have some dream work and some dream discussions as a part of these programages and um, I when the very first night that we arrived in Mont St. Michel back in 2012, uh, I asked for a message from Archangel Michael. I asked him to tell me more about this place, like what's what's so special, what's so unique about this place in addition to what we already knew. And I had this dream in which saw this large hand, and I'm assuming it's the, the hand of Archangel Michael, writing in the sand because when this, um, when the when the tides go out, the sand, the the island is all submerged uh, with water when the tide is in. But when the tides go out, it's all surrounded by sand. And so in the dream, I saw a large finger and a large hand writing in the sand. This place is light activated, is what the message was. What the what the hand wrote in the sand, but it huge, right? It was like huge finger, huge hand, writing in this huge bay, in the sand of this huge bay, this place is light activated. Um, and it truly is. The the light of Archangel Michael is activated. He's keeping it activated. Uh, I get the information that this is one of the vortex centers um, along that line, of the, along that ley line, and um, that it's one of the vortex centers where he's activating the earth energies more. You know, he's activating the kind of 
Kundalini energy within the earth, uh, which is even visible there. You can even see the Kundalini energy uh, in the earth and in the tides and in the sand. You can, it, it's visible to the physical eyes, um, and, and it's being activated there. So it's, it's very exciting um, to return to this light-activated place, and I'm hoping that if you're um, interested in any of the things that we've been talking about, if you're feeling called in any way, shape, or form, to join us, um, that you go to mysticalfrance.com and read more about the retreats. The full day-by-day itineraries are, are, are going to be posted up here in the next several days, um, but there's a lot of information that's already up on there, and we're also happy to talk with you in person as well as take uh, questions that people might have after uh, this call. But real quick, I'm going to wrap up because what I didn't talk about is how we're going to end that retreat. So um, I talked about how we're going to begin with the first three days in Paris, and then we're going to spend three nights on Mont Saint-Michel, and then we're going to return back. So um, the ground transportation will be provided by bus and by train back to Paris for one closing night um, uh, of Paris. And then um, that particular retreat, Mystical France North, the Angels of Paris, Soldier to Mont Saint-Michel, will be complete. And then the next day will either be a departure day for those who will be departing and won't be staying on for anything further. Um, or there will be an extended weekend um, that can be uh, added, uh, an extended weekend that is also up on the website, and you can learn more on the website as well as learn more in the upcoming teleconferences pertaining to this series. But you can come to just this Mystical France North Retreat by itself. Um, You don't have to attend anything else. You don't have to attend anything in the South. You don't have to stay for the extended weekend. Uh, We try to design this in such a way where people can come um, for the thing that they're the things that they're most interested in, and um, you can come just for that, or you can package it with some of the other combinations of things. All right, um, so I think that completes it. Again, the website is mysticalfrance.com or my personal website if you want to learn more about me and the work that I do and the services that I offer, anajonesonline.com. If you want to learn more about Philip and the work that he offers, philipjonesonline.com. So those are kind of all the websites associated with us, and there's a lot more of our biographical information and and things in history pertaining to us and the, the multiple retreats that we've led because we started leading retreats together very um, early in our married life and then we were leading retreats and many conferences and events and all kinds of things prior to our marriage. We've been married now for over 18 years. So uh, there's things about us. There's the About Us section of the Mystical France website that you can go read more. And while you're on the Mystical France website, just real quickly, check out the photo galleries too. We spent a long time putting up a lot of wonderful photos from our first trip. There's a testimonials page as well as the photo galleries page and the complete itinerary page will be up in the next several days so uh, something else to look forward to and go back and revisit and see see the site for a second time okay so um, like I promised I'm done with part one done with part two so in order to close this call um, I wanted to do a meditation and then after the meditation uh, unmute everybody and open it up for any questions that people have now the questions can be about anything we've talked about. You can ask questions. Uh, if you want to jot anything down now, you might want to take a moment to do so before we begin the meditation because sometimes people forget after the meditations. Um, the question can be anything about Archangel Michael. The questions can be anything that you'd like to ask us regarding uh, these historical
historical appearances in France that we discussed, these these, these historical people of France that we discussed. Uh, if we know the information, we'll be happy to share it with you, uh, or the retreat. So you, really, your questions can be on any of these uh, any of these things that we've discussed. Okay. Um, so jot your questions down now, and uh, we're going to get ready to do the meditation. This is going to be a short meditation for aligning you with Archangel Michael, connecting you with Archangel Michael. So we're going to uh, invoke Archangel Michael in this meditation. I'm going to lead a short prayer. Uh, the prayer that I'm going to be um, reading is actually a prayer that I didn't personally write. It's written by Mirabai Star and published in the book called St. Michael the Archangel by Mirabai Star. So I'm going to do an invocation that is an invocation that I do use personally. And then I'm going to lead a prayer um, by reading that um, prayer by Mirabai Star. And then I'm going to just have you go into uh, silence and to um, connect and commune uh, energetically in the meditation in silence with Archangel Michael, and then I'll bring you up out of it. So that's what we're going to do. All right, so everybody right now, if you could just make yourselves comfortable. I want you to just sit back, make yourselves comfortable, close your eyes. The invocation that I'm going to do my voice allows me to do it without coughing because I have a cough. The invocation is a chant three times of the name Mikael, which is a way of pronouncing Archangel Michael's name, Mikael, 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 Adonai Elohim, Adonai Eloheinu, Mikael, Mikael, Mikael. So this is the invocation. So close your eyes, deepen your breathing. Let yourself be relaxed even more and more with every breath that you're taking. And then join me silently or out loud in whatever way feels right to you because everybody is muted, everybody except Philip and I, in the invocation chant. Mikael, 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 Adonai Elohim, Adonai Eloheinu, Mikael, Mikael, Mikael. Mikael,
invoking and calling in the presence of Archangel Michael. O Holy Archangel Michael, be with me. Protect me from my own false self. Call me to my divine self, radiant and wise. Call me and call me again. Defend me and protect me against the forces in this world that would harm me. Help me to discern that which is truly negative from that which merely threatens my complacency. Shield me in your vast wings so that I may take refuge and grow strong. Let me be a beacon of light and justice to all in the world for what is true and righteous. O chief of the tribe of angels, place your sword of unconditional love in my hand. Give me the courage to cut through illusion and set truth free. Allow me to wield your divine sword with clarity and compassion. Help me be fierce and humble. Let me place the greatest good of all who suffer above my own comfort. O Prince of Light, as you have carried my ancestors and since the creation of humankind home to the supreme light that gives birth to us all and lovingly receives our soul. Carry me. Return me to the light, to the divine source, in my heart and in my mind. Here and now. And just allow yourself to feel yourself be filled by the light of Archangel Michael, the love, the divine love. as he restores the light in you. Reconnects, realigns, and renews the light in you.
sit in the silence now and receive this. And then we thank Archangel Michael for all that he has given us today. All that he gives us and helps us with in our daily lives. And we thank Archangel Michael for all of the service that he performs. for all of humanity, for all of the earth, and for all beings on the earth, for all beings everywhere. Offering him our thanks and our gratitude for all that he does and all that he is. our gratitude to that divine source, that divine light, that divine love, the presence of the divine God. Giving thanks to the divine for Michael and all of the angels. for all of the blessings in our lives. Return our awareness again back to our breath. 
a couple more long, slow, deep breaths. And as you're breathing, let the awareness of your breath bring you back to the awareness of your body and back to the awareness of the room around you. Allow yourself to slowly open your eyes and slowly come fully up out of the meditation. Coming fully out of the meditation now, allowing yourself to shift and move however you need to. Fully awake. And in any meditation like this where if there's anything that you felt, heard, or saw, anything that you felt yourself receive, um, it's always helpful to write those things down. And you may even get more from it later. And it's also, whenever you do an invocation like this and a meditation like this, it's also possible that all that you're meant to receive doesn't even happen during it, um, but it can happen in the dream state or throughout the course of the day. So also I would say pay attention to Archangel Michael working in your life and signs and synchronicities that may be coming uh, throughout the course of the weekend and the day and also um, in the dreams. And I want to say thank you so much to everybody for being on the call and, and take questions now um, and uh, unmute everybody in order to do that. And um, the recording will also be ended now. So let me finish the recording first. I'll turn the recording off. That way people feel more free to talk openly at the end.